Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson checks in with Ed Latson, CEO of the Austin Regional Manufacturers Association, following the big news of Samsung's investment in the Austin region. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, Ed. How are you doing today? Great, man. It's good to be here with you, Will. Good to see you again. And I'm very excited to have you here as CEO of Arma. And here we are just about a week after Samsung officially made the announcement pledging to make the largest investment in a manufacturing plant in kind of the Austin region in the history of our region. Yeah, I would say it goes beyond that. I think this is one of the single largest foreign investments in the United States history. Um, I think it's incredible that we won it here in Central Texas. Uh, It's something really exciting for all the residents and it's going to have a major impact. And your CEO of ARMA, the Austin Regional Manufacturers Association, let's step back and, and talk about that for a second. What does that organization do? Sure. Yeah, we're an association representing the interest of manufacturers in Central Texas, and we really focus on advocacy and uh, workforce development. So making sure that these businesses have what they need from a policy perspective, but also uh, really working to build that talent pipeline that's going to support their growth and development. That's perfect, because there's going to be a lot of things we can dive into here in the next uh, 20, 30 minutes And maybe we'll come back to Samsung and some of those workforce development topics and investment topics. I remember Governor Abbott did call it the largest foreign investment in Texas history. And I think it's got to be up there among the top in U.S. history, as you alluded to. It's a $17 billion plant in Taylor, just southwest of Taylor proper and west of Taylor High School, which if you guys, some of our listeners might not know Taylor or they might be new to the area. I mean, it's a relatively small town in Williamson County. It's got Louie Mueller barbecue. So if you've, if you've sampled that, you've been there. Um, they got the Taylor Ducks and then it's a pretty small town, but now it's gonna be home of the next generation Samsung semiconductor plant. What does that mean, you think? Well, hey, uh, before we go into Samsung, I'll have to say that that uh, Louis Miller barbecue is definitely worth visiting, worth a stop. Look, I think it's, you know, a really interesting um, decision for them to go to Taylor. You know, we see manufacturing companies setting up outside of the region, really on the eastern crescent of Austin proper. But, you know, Taylor was a little farther out there and uh, you haven't seen, you know, a major company establishing there, but I think it really makes sense. I mean, you know, if you're talking about building a long-term presence, you're in a growth zone where uh, you can draw talent from a different region than their current facility. I think it's a very pro-business climate. I think that uh, there are utility considerations that were advantageous to, you know, this decision. And when you really get down to the details, it makes sense. But, you know, what a win for Williamson County and Taylor, you know, this is a uh, once in a generation type of investment that will really drive revenue and change people's lives. We talk about 2000 jobs is kind of where Samsung has landed now, kind of putting my opinion here, but it seems like a baseline, right? Of, uh, of the kind of jobs, number of jobs are kind of creating there. But that's direct jobs. And I think one thing people need to understand with manufacturing facilities is First, they're huge. So it's thousands of construction jobs. I saw an estimate of like 6,500. You know, those are, those are kind of estimates, I, I take it, but uh, but thousands of construction jobs. And then 2,000 direct jobs, people working for Samsung when it opens, 
plus maybe contract jobs, janitors, security, things like that. And then the indirect jobs, right? Our reporter, Catherine Hardison, did a story where she interviewed, um, I think I'm going to butcher the name. It's called Zycarb. Shunk Zycarb. Shunk Zycarb. They're making quartz and ceramic, like super precise products that are already used in Samsung wafer product. Like there's all these companies, big and small, that then are going to be growing, hiring, trying to support Samsung, you know, dropping a giant plant in rural central Texas. So it's that, it's that, that thousands more indirect jobs. They don't have an exact number, but, but a huge impact, as you said, just beyond the company itself. We have about $18 billion in manufacturing in central Texas, and um, a quarter of that is semiconductor related. So you guys can do the math, but you know it's a huge part of our economy. With Samsung investing here, you're going to see these supporting businesses that uh, you know are important for their success really grow and see more employees, more business, more materials coming into the region. More lawyers, more CPAs, you know, all those things really trickle down. I've heard that with every advanced manufacturing job that's created, 6X are created in the community. So 2,000 jobs at Samsung proper, but it's going to be a a much larger uh, impact regionally. Yeah, just off that baseline, I mean, and I know we're talking estimates, we're talking kind of, you know, white paper math. I mean, you're talking like 12,000 indirect jobs then. And I know this is just baseline stuff, but that's to give an idea, people an idea of the impact of, yes, there's the direct suppliers, but that's a great point. It trickles down to the accountants, to the professional services, to the lawyers, to the real estate brokers, um, who all of a sudden are trying to find space for semiconductor suppliers or hammer out, you know, IP contract kind of stuff. Well, and also, Will, you know, this is on top of what they're already doing in Travis County off Palmer Lane. So, you know, that plant uh, has, what, over 3,000 direct hires, but about a 10,000 indirect impact. So, now you're talking about doubling that in Williamson County. And I think you have one of the most major economic forces in Texas. Most people don't know that Samsung is the largest property taxpayer in the state. They are very important in ways that uh, is not known to many folks. That's true. So a lot of tax rolls that goes to. Yeah, as well. And, and you know, in Austin and Travis County, they're the largest user of Austin Energy. So yeah, right. um, that direct transfer to the city coffers is, is over $3 million a year. And a lot of water use too, right? A lot of water as well. That's right. I think it's natural to talk Samsung and we can certainly come back to that too. But uh, like burying, you know, the other giant project, which is Tesla, another manufacturing, advanced manufacturing with their electrical vehicle plants rising in eastern Travis County, just east of Austin city limits. And that is in that Eastern Crescent kind of general region, as you're referring to, which for people who don't know, if you think of traditional East Austin built just east of I-35, you know, historical characteristics, that neighborhood, a lot of residential, some industrial still. But um, but to my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Eastern Crescent, then you get wider out around traditional East Austin. So it's farther maybe into the county to unincorporated areas, but out near Lake Walter E. Long. I mean, that's where a lot of development is going to happen because that's where a lot of the greenfield is. So residential, industrial, like Elon's plant, but it's got that location out there. And if you've driven by it, or if you've flown out of the airport, you've seen this giant building rise that Tesla's put up in a little over a year. Pretty amazing to consider how much work they've done. I mean, there's still work to go, but how much they've they've put up in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I think everybody you talk to in the industry is, uh, you know, so impressed with how quickly that plan has gone up. And, um, you know, it's what a five, 0.6 million square foot facility. 
and uh, they should be you know ready to enter in production here early in 2022. So I've heard Elon. He's obviously eager to start production as quickly as possible and maybe get some lines rolling before end of 21. But but I hear, yeah, real production, more like 22, probably. And they just had a, a plant get cleared to open in Germany, I believe, the Berlin factory. That's correct. So, like, they're on a cusp. I mean, we've, we've seen what Tesla's done. Everyone knows about their stock price. Um, everyone knows how they've gone from, you know, no cars to hundreds of thousands in a matter of, uh, you know, a decade and of, of years. And uh, now there's like this next chapter of the company of like full large scale production. And it's based out of Austin because they've, you know, they've indicated they're moving their headquarters here too. You know, it's just kind of mind boggling in some ways. Well, you know, two or three years ago, I don't think we could have imagined that we would be the epicenter of electric vehicle development for the globe. Uh, But here we are. And I think the impact is yet to be really uh, manifested. It's just starting you know, with the talent that's coming here, with the thought leaders that are going to be headquartered out of Austin, the suppliers that are moving to the region, you know, it's going to be a mega ecosystem that is going to have spinoffs and effects that we can only imagine. I think it really positions us to be a leader and a driver of innovation in this space, you know, for the next generation. Sure. And as you said, it was almost unthinkable years ago. I mean, Austin's been on the economic upswing for a long time. We always talk about how, you know, every 20 years we're kind of doubling the population and maybe tapered off a bitch because we've gotten so huge, but tons of population growth, tons of economic growth. We've had semi-production. As you said, Austin, you know, Samsung Austin has been in operation for 20 plus years where they make semis. But this really seems like the cusp of this new economy, this, as you said, electric vehicles with Tesla, the most valuable electric vehicle maker, most valuable car maker based here, Samsung putting its new most advanced plant here. How do you even describe the state of manufacturing in Austin when you're talking to local officials or or executives outside the industry? Well, I think one of the great things about these major announcements is that the industrial sector finally has people's attention. You know, we've always been really strong in developing advanced hardware. We have a great electronics sector here, but most people didn't really have that awareness. You know, we saw ourselves as a tech town, but people thought of tech as Google and Facebook. And indeed, they didn't think about it as Samsung and NXP and applied materials. Uh, But those are really the heavyweights in town when when you talk about hiring and also about economic output. So it's been really a great surprise, you know, a great uh, turn of events that people recognize the contributions and the potential of, you know, what could happen here based on our manufacturing sector. Uh, I think you have really some major momentum in semiconductor as well as this EV space. And what two great sectors to have in our community. I mean, these are going to be the things that really change the world in the next you know, 10 years, and it's it's going to be happening here. Going back to Samsung, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that if we didn't get this plant, you know, our technology in the space is going to be start to get antiquated. This investment really keeps Central Texas at the forefront of semiconductor innovation and production. It really gives us the, one of the best facilities in the entire world right here in our backyard. So, you know, I think it really fits with our identity and, and allows us to become who we think we are and who we want to become. There's a lot of interesting points there. One of them I want to dive into is, is that talk about industrial jobs. Because you said we have, we've had Samsung, NXP has two locations. I think, you know, manufacturing here, there's smaller fabs. 
there's other manufacturing, but traditionally it might, and, and we have, you know, we're not, we haven't been known necessarily as an industrial town, maybe wrongly, as you said, because we, we've had production, but you think of San Antonio and all the uh, train tracks there and all the industrial space and Dallas and its suburbs. And uh, I don't know, I, I think you can make the case. Yeah. That industrial has been overlooked in, in Austin. There's thousands and thousands of jobs provided by these manufacturers they pay pretty well. Like I, I can't remember the um, the wage discussion during Samsung, but these, you know, Samsung and Tesla jobs are expected to pay relatively well for factory work. I think. Yeah, I mean, the average wage in a semiconductor plant is over a hundred thousand dollars a year. The average wage in manufacturing in general across Central Texas is is ninety thousand dollars a year, and that's the best average in the state. So I think what really makes us unique is the advanced nature of our manufacturing community. This is not old world technology, you know, steel mills and smokestacks here in Central Texas. You know, it's it's advanced electronics with a highly skilled worker that's needed to make the factories run. For a lot of these jobs, you don't need a four-year college degree either, I don't think. You don't need a four-year degree, no. Uh, although there are engineering roles and um, roles that require advanced degrees, the majority of jobs are more frontline oriented and uh, they might require some sort of secondary degree, but it's not you know, necessarily a four-year college degree. We mentioned, or we've reported on Tesla kind of spooling up, as we said, and they've uh, got this program with Austin Community College, an apprenticeship program with Tesla, where they're gonna be working and studying at the same time and getting paid. But that is, again, that's, that's post-secondary, it's higher ed, but it's more of a certificate-based you know, apprenticeship program instead of a four-year liberal arts degree or big university degree. So yes, yeah, certainly, um, there are some training programs needed, but just that exactly you don't need a four year bachelor's degree to work in some of these roles. That's true. But let's not understate the challenge because the number one issue manufacturers are facing really nationally, but, you know, especially here is attracting, maintaining talent. And there's going to be a lot of workers that are needed right now. We're about 65,000 employees in the manufacturing space. We need probably to add about 20,000 workers over the next three to four years. And we need a funnel to make that happen. We are blessed to have a fantastic community college here. Dr. Rhodes and his team are world-class. I really think they're one of the best institutes um, in the country. And they have responded by creating several programs in partnership with ARMA. We have rapid training that is taking unskilled people and giving them a basic set of skills to get these entry-level positions. We're also working closely with AISD and recently had a productive meeting with Dr. Elizalde, our new superintendent to develop a pipeline out of AISD to support semiconductor and Tesla and these other advanced manufacturing jobs. So I feel like the pieces are in place, Will, but you know the effort really still needs to be uh, in that area. And I can tell you, you know, if we're gonna continue to have the economic development wins that we've had, this is where the rubber hits the road and we gotta make sure these companies get the workers they need to, to operate effectively. That's a great point. I was going to ask what challenges your members foresee, and workforce is a huge one. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the yes, obviously ACC is is playing a big part in getting apprenticeships going, but graduating one cohort isn't going to get you there. So it's got to be a sustained and multifaceted effort that involves other people as well. Because, like you said, adding twenty thousand workers in a sector that can be advanced and deal with advanced machinery and things like that—that's not easy. Yeah, and I think it's going to take a multi-pronged approach. I mean, one kind of lacking structure on this is, you know, the rural regions and the rural school districts aren't really focusing on the jobs that are available 
in the more urban areas. And I think, you know, that's a real target because I think these populations would really appreciate these good paying jobs and we can help them, you know, develop these programs. So we're working on that. But another kind of key challenge is making sure that the young people understand the opportunity that's in front of them. Because if you talk to students today in school districts and you say manufacturing, they have no idea what you're talking about. It's not like we're from, you know, the Midwest where there's a legacy of, of manufacturing and certainly not awareness that these are good paying jobs. We have to communicate and share the fact that the most advanced semiconductor chips in the world are made here, that rockets are going, launching satellites are made here, you know, that one third of the IV bags in the United States are made in Austin. There's just so many cool things that are happening and so many stories we need to tell. And I think if we do that, then the young people will be inspired. But right now they're, they're unaware of, you know, the kind of lifestyle they can have if they get the right preparation and get these jobs. I will say that the good thing is that most of these jobs have a similar skill set. So while you might think that, you know, building an advanced automo electric vehicle would be different than some of the skills needed within a semiconductor plant, they're actually pretty similar and uh, it should help us find some economies of scale as we build these programs. Oh, sure. So as you had 20,000 people, some might be able to move around or find better fits um, or be reskilled or trained up, you know, from other positions already in the workforce? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that companies like Samsung and Tesla are going to have problems finding the people they need to succeed. What's going to happen is these younger, smaller companies are going to lose yeah. people to these larger companies. And we got to have backfills to those smaller companies. Now, over the next five to six years, as these companies mature and start to matriculate talent, I think you're going to have one of the strongest manufacturing workforces in the country. Uh, right here. There'll be some growing pains till we get there. But if you walk into the Tesla plant in California or Reno, it is so highly automated and they have so many technicians working on some of the most interesting robotic applications you can see. All those people are going to be here in Central Texas. They're going to you know, go on to work at other companies, lead other operations. It's going to be a dynamic workforce. We just have to get through kind of the initial ramp up uh, and make sure people have more talent to draw from. Ed Latson joining us. In our next segment, he shares the impact of a Samsung investment at the local level. When Texas Business Minds continues. This summer, Texas Mutual Insurance Company sent $330 million in dividends to policyholders across the state. It's our way of rewarding resilient businesses who never wavered in their commitment to working safe. More at TexasMutual.com. Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds as Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson connects with ARMA CEO Ed Latson. Well, it's interesting you talk about the rural school districts too, and I think school districts play such a big part in this. Again, Samsung is in Taylor, pretty small, pretty small school district. Um, I think it's one high school city, Taylor High School. Then you think of the little towns around there like Bartlett, Ranger. I mean, I live in Wilco, so these I know these names, but like many people that live in the area don't don't even know about Thrall, like these tiny towns around there that there isn't too much economic opportunity when you graduate from those high schools. And now, you know, not too far away, there's this giant semiconductor plant making the most advanced chips in the world. Our reporters who are covering the... Um, 
the school district votes when they approved incentives for the Samsung plant, Taylor ISD. I mean, there were people moved to tears because of the thought of parents who are like, you know, my kid doesn't have to move away if, if they want. I mean, there's more opportunity for them now here if, if they want to go work for Samsung. I mean, that was pretty powerful. It was very powerful. I was I was in those meetings and I saw restaurant owners and uh, parents of people in the school district and longtime property owners in the region all stand up and say, we want this because uh, it's a game changer. I mean, it really is a lottery win for that community. And it's not going to be confined to Taylor in Williamson County. It's going to be a you know 10 county draw. You're going to see people coming from all over the region to support what's happening, not just at Samsung either and Taylor, but what's happening in Central Texas. You know, I, I think it's an amazing story what's happening here. Uh, you have this multi-billion dollar investment from Samsung. You have this you know, multi-billion dollar investment from Tesla. Uh, you recently had an announcement of a you know, major solar farm and battery right. plant in Caldwell, right? Um, and energy putting up uh, a battery and solar facility down there. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and all these billion dollar announcements, I think they really speak to the fact that we are positioned to be the economy of the future, that all the pieces are in place for us to be leading in technology. And um, really nothing is more exciting than that, especially, you know, as parents and, and people who have kids coming up. I mean, there's going to be so much, you know, chance for them to make an impact in the world. And it starts right here. So that's exciting to me. That's a great point. And a beautiful seg into, you know, I got to ask what's next. Like we talk, we've, we've seen Tesla suppliers moving to Kyle. Um, we know that there are, well, we know there's, there's lots of Samsung suppliers here already. And they've told us, you know, Shunk, uh, Zycarb told our reporter, Catherine Hardison, that they were already prepping to grow. If Samsung came here, they were already thinking about where they would expand and hire. So like, what's next? What are we, are we going to see more billion dollar announcements? You think? Oh, I think there's more billion dollar announcements coming. And, you know, I've learned that we can't necessarily predict who is going to be the next player, but they're coming. And I can tell you, you know, one sector to pay close attention to is the semiconductor sector. Obviously, Samsung is huge. I think there's other other fabs looking at space around Central Texas. But that aside, whether or not there's a new announcement of a fab or not, semiconductor is incredibly important here. We have Let's talk about that for a second, because you have Samsung, NXP, Applied Materials, Infineon, Tokyo Electron. You have hundreds of suppliers supporting this. During the pandemic and COVID, we all got exposed that there's not enough domestic capabilities in the United States around these chips. You're seeing automobile factories from Ford to Tesla uh, having to curtail their production because they don't have enough chips. It impacts everything from transportation to entertainment to defense. You know, there's a concern that we don't have enough domestic capabilities to supply our own defense industry. And there is true bipartisan agreement that there needs to be investment into this sector. You know, we have some really forward looking legislation like the CHIPS Act supported by Senator Cornyn and locally uh, Representative McCall. And that could invest $52 billion into the semiconductor sector. That's gonna impact Austin. There's yeah. two institutes that can be funded from that, you know, the National Semiconductor Technology Institute and a uh, Final Packaging Institute as well. Those could be located here. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Central Texas gets those or at least they land, end up in Texas, which would be a great win. Um, but this industry is evolving. I think you're going to see, you know, federal support for it. And, 
you know, it's really important that we as a community are aggressive at going after these opportunities because they're not only good jobs, they're important for us strategically and, and from a country perspective as well. I mean, we know Tesla and other car manufacturers have, have had to, you know, wait on semis that are sitting in shipping containers off the coast. I'm not to get anyone's hopes up, like, you know, we're not going to be making ships. Samsung's not going to be making ships in Taylor tomorrow. It's, it's years down the line. It's not this current bottleneck. But again, the idea of a diverse source and more of a domestic source for these critical chips that go into your cars, your fridge, the computers we're talking on, the servers that support so much of the infrastructure that are going to be in, you know, in 5G, right, as we're talking about connected cities and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's interesting that manufacturing that was this great economic engine during the Industrial Revolution, I mean, it has an even bigger part to play kind of in the next information revolution as we go back to connecting everything and everyone. You know, we lost a little bit of that in the 90s and early 2000s. You know, we, we made decisions that put a lot of factories overseas. But uh, I do believe that there is an awareness that there are core industries that we need to have in this country. And semiconductor is one. I think electric vehicles is another one. You know, I, I think we want to own that here. Although China has got a head start on us. I mean, you know, they're far ahead of the game. So uh, let's not seed these core, you know, sectors to another country and lose the jobs and innovation uh, that can happen right here and now happen right here in Central Texas. Yeah, it's cool to see manufacturing, industrial, all these things we talked about in their moment, right? Like downtown skyscrapers are cool, but it's just as cool to see these, you know, giant advanced plants that are, you know, off these arterial roads or, or like, I don't know. I think that, uh, again, the flashy skyline is an easy emblem of Austin's economic growth, but so are these um, giant facilities with, with thousands of people working in them. Yeah, I mean, I, I love going downtown and, and knowing what's happening there. Um, I think it's, you know, there's so much momentum in all sectors. And, and yeah. uh, look, hey, if we're talking about the challenges that we face as a state, as a region with affordability and giving people a chance to make a living wage and a pathway to the middle class, these are the jobs that we need to be focused on. There's plenty of uh, jobs that require a college degree downtown that are being filled you know, by people outside of the region and within the region. But we need to focus on jobs for people without college degrees that can give them a pathway to the middle class. That's how this region stays affordable. And that's what these companies are bringing to our economic development and our growth as a region. So I, I think that's super important. Last thing, we talked about more billion dollar deals. We've also heard rumblings that there might be another billion dollar deal even before end of the year. I mean, do you think that would be possible? I really do. Well, and there's a couple of reasons why. First, there's so much momentum and interest in this region from a talent perspective that we talked about. You know, there's there's already a great advanced manufacturing workforce here. There's a great supporting community around certain sectors. But also, you know, the state did away with with Chapter 313s. They expire in uh, 2022. So uh, we have basically one more year for these big deals to come in and get the tax incentives they need to make the math make sense. So I think you're going to see an aggressive approach by these companies, you know, to get a deal finalized sooner versus later. We've reported on that too. I mean, it's an interesting facet. And I know people, well, some people are against the chapter 313 incentives because it, um, it can, you know, it, because it's involving incentives from the school district. 
other people just say, we're growing anyways, why do we need incentives? But supporters of it say, hey, you're getting a lot more tax revenue off of a site that maybe had nil or negligible tax revenue and um, incentives obviously play a key part, executives tell us, in a lot of these site selection decisions. But it's interesting that as they run out, so they weren't reauthorized. Now they could, there maybe could be a special session in the Texas legislature to bring that back. But right now, if the program sunsets after 22, it might actually speed up investment for projects to get on the ground before then. Yeah, I think they'll accelerate 2022. Uh, but I, I want to go back to how important these deals are. You know, most people think of Texas as a low tax burden state. But the fact of the matter is we are a very high property tax burden state, I think like 47th in the country. So when you look at a manufacturing company, like a semiconductor plant that has billions of dollars of equipment, they have an extraordinarily high tax burden. And these incentive deals are very important for um, making it possible for them to produce in Texas. And there's also a perception that it's a corporate giveaway, but that, that is a false narrative. I mean, you go look at Taylor and the amount of money that is going to come into their community because of, you know, the Samsung plant, they're going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. And all people are talking about is, oh, they give away 600 million in tax incentives. That's not true. They're getting a ton of taxes. They're just not being greedy and taking 100% of what could be valued on their property. But the fact of the matter is if they did, then Samsung wouldn't be able to open up a plant there. So I think you know we need to recognize that this is not cities and communities giving away tax dollars, it's them receiving tax dollars from investment and then making the math work for companies uh, so it can happen. And you know, there's other people that say that they don't make a difference, that they would have built a plant here anyways. Well, I imagine people in Travis County are wishing that that plant was being built next to their current facility because they are losing some major revenue, you know, because of their failure to go out and um, aggressively attract a major investment to their region. So I think from a community standpoint, we need to have some accountability and people paying attention to, you know, how this money could be used to further our development in a way that supports what's needed in the community. Because right now there are needs that are not being addressed. Williamson County Judge Bill Gravel told us that it's, you know, the average tax revenue per acre of that farmland in Taylor is like a dollar per acre. And now it's going to be millions of dollars brought in annually from the plant. Although they are, like, as you said, they're limiting how much they're going to tax the plant on, or rather they'll re rebate them some of that money. So uh, Samsung gets a tax break, but it's, they are bringing in, I guess, to your point, uh, millions more dollars than just an empty field. Yeah, and as we've already said, you know, they're the largest property taxpayer in the state. It's not like they're getting a uh, light tax bill every month. They're paying an extraordinary amount of money to do business here. And um, I just think we need to recognize that. You're just making me I just remember that the homestead tax exemption filings come up soon. And uh, you just gave me a shudder to think about my property tax bill. And I'm sure Samsung executives are, you know, when you get that property tax bill on your manufacturing plant. Yeah, you, you uh, that's, there's, there's quite a number of uh, zeros on the end of that. Well, you know, if we could talk uh, some of these council members into uh, accelerating permitting and um, property development, you know, I think we could have more supply on the market and, you know, probably have less property taxes on our on our own homes. But maybe that's a different conversation. That's a great discussion to have. It's just a different podcast. So this has been awesome, Ed. Thank you so much for joining me. It is a, feels like a 
seminal moment for manufacturing and everything that you guys do at Arma. And I'm sure you're a busy guy. So thanks for taking the time to, uh, to talk to us on Texas Business Minds. Hey, well, if I can just compliment you guys, I, I think ABJ has done a great job with uh, reporting on all these developments. And uh, I really look to it for valuable information. So kudos to you guys as well. Much appreciated. That's what we try to do. Thanks to Arma CEO Ed Latson for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.